this may seem strange, but of all the talks, of all the homilies, of all the lectures I've heard in my entire life, one of the ones that stays with me the most was my older sister's high school graduation. It was the guest speaker at her high school graduation. And what he said there was one of those lightning bolt moments for me that's always stayed with me. I mean, that's when you should be taking a nap or scrolling on your phone or something. But for whatever reason, when the guy gave the address at her graduation, what he said really stuck with me. And I want to share with you today. It's related to the gospel. This guy's name is Bob Ingram. He was a local TV personality. And basically for his whole talk, he just told this story. And he told a story about a guy named Johnny. Johnny was kind of your all-American guy, quarterback of the football team. He got a scholarship to play football in college. So he gets to college, and Johnny's kind of a studious guy, and he wanted to take the right courses and make all A's if he could. And as they started taking classes, his buddies on the football team, they always were trying to get him to take other courses, which were kind of like the football courses, you know, kind of the easier courses or whatever, where you could kind of do the less and, you know, get by, pass, whatever. But Johnny was always suspicious of this. He never wanted to mess up his grades or kind of his, his future beyond football. So he always would kind of just take his normal classes and study and do what he needed to do. And his buddies would always give him a hard time, say, man, you're just being goody two-shoe. You're just trying to outshine us, whatever. Well, finally, his senior year came around and his buddies were like, look, man, it's fall semester, senior year. You've made all A's. Just take one easy class with us. Let's just have fun. It's senior year. Let's let our guard down a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. But there was this one class that everyone knew was like the easiest class on campus. And it was called Introduction to the New Testament. Introduction to the New Testament. It had the same teacher for 25 years. He never took attendance. He never gave any homework. There were no tests. And there was always just one essay question for the final exam. And every year, for 25 years... The essay question was, describe in detail Paul's missionary journeys as described in the New Testament. Describe in detail Paul's missionary journeys as recounted throughout the New Testament. And so they were telling Johnny all of these things, like, look, it's just this one question. And he gave in. He said, okay, I'm going to take this class. And so they started the class. And just as they said, um, you go to class. He never took attendance. He never signed homework. There were no tests. He just said there's going to be one written exam at the end of this course. So everything was going just as he said. But he went out and he started studying the New Testament. He studied all the letters of Paul and he started marking on a map where Paul went and taking notes and memorizing it frontwards and backwards. He read all the New Testament, the letters that Paul wrote, and he detailed very carefully where Paul went and started memorizing it like plays in the playbook where exactly Paul went all throughout the New Testament. And so the day of the exam comes and everyone's feeling good and the football players are walking into the test and they're all like chest bumping and high-fiving like, yeah, we're about to crush this exam. <laughs> Get an A-plus for the GPA. And they're all feeling good and they're all sitting in their seats and all of a sudden the exam starts getting passed out. And as the exam starts to filter through the room, you start to hear audible kind of groans from the people as they get the exam. Just, oh. And as the people get the exam, they realize there's a new question. (laughs) 25 years, same class, same question, 
And for whatever reason, the professor got inspired and put a new question. So everybody's pulling their hair out and scratching their forehead and just being frustrated. And after four, five, ten minutes, people scribble a little bit down, and a lot of people are just leaving, like, whatever, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna fail. But they look back to Johnny, and Johnny is writing furiously. He is writing and writing and writing, and his football buddies are waiting for him, and he stayed the entire allotment of time for the exam and just kept writing, writing, writing. They finally just had to take his exam from Johnny and send him out of the room. And so his buddies were waiting for him. They waited for the hour or so, and they said, dude, what were you doing in there? None of us saw that question coming. What were you doing? He said, I don't know. I just had to write something. You know? And they wouldn't, he wouldn't really say what all he wrote. Well, they come back three days later, and the grades are posted, and Johnny's there with all his football buddies, and they're looking, and the grades are F, F, D, D minus, F. And they get down to Johnny's name, A+. Plus. And they are furious. They say, Johnny, what did you do in there? How did you pull this off? None of us knew that question was coming. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about it. And finally, they push him up against the wall. They're like, you're going to tell us or we're going to kill you. He said, okay. Value my life. And so um, they, he just handed them his, his test and let them look at it. And the question had been changed to des- describe and critique Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as described in Matthew chapter 6. That was the new question that they were given, was describe and critique Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as recounted in Matthew chapter 6. And so they started reading, uh, one of the guys started reading Johnny's response out loud. And Johnny's first line of his essay was this. He said, how could anybody possibly critique the greatest sermon given by the greatest person who has ever lived in human history. But while I'm at it, may I share with you a little bit about St. Paul's missionary journeys as described throughout the New Testament. And Johnny wrote everything that he had memorized, every place, everything that St. Paul did, everything he could remember from the New Testament, but every last word from the entire time allotment on there. And the professor read that and said, good job, Johnny. A plus. And that story has stayed with me all these years later, but Bob Ingram told that story, he told it so well. And at the end of that story, what he said to them, he said, the moral of this story is use what you got. Use what you got. There's so many times in life where you can be frustrated, even resentful for what you got. And we can spend our lives wishing that we had something else. That we had different talents, that we had different families, that we had different situations. And we can spend a lot of our lives letting time pass us by or even just giving up on things because we don't have a sense that what we have is what we need. And he said, just in every situation, though, there's always something that you've got. And he said, don't be afraid like Johnny to just use it the best way you know how. And I share this today as we think about these talents. Because the talents in our lives, I think there's a lot of times we can come up with different reasons why not to use our talents. And I'll mention three reasons that I think sometimes can hold us back from just using what we've got to give glory to God. 
The first one, I think, is comparison. I imagine this guy in the gospel who only got two talents looked at the guy with three and five and said, man, I only got two. They got five. Why bother? He's going to wind up with way more money than me. He has more talents than me. Why even use what I have? And I think in our own life, too, we can kind of take, spend a lot of time looking around and say, man, well, he's better at that. Or she's better at that. Why even bother if I can't be the best? In America, we have that broken mentality, kind of, if you're not first, you're last, right? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. You could be second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. That's okay. St. Therese is known as the little flower. She's a saint. And one revelation she had, she was looking at all these saints in the past. She goes, man, these saints are so big. They did such amazing things. How could I ever do that? And the Lord kind of whispered to her one day. She said, you're just like a little flower in the field. There's big flowers. There's small flowers. There's medium size. But the sun shines on all of them the same. And she said, "That's God said, that's like my love for you. It doesn't matter if you're little. Are you big? There's reasons why you are what you are, that you've got what you've got. And to just don't be afraid to use it. But that comparison, I think, many times will hold us back from really using what we have. Like being a star in the sky, you see the brightest star in the sky, you go, well, I'm never going to shine that bright. So you just fade away. But even, I don't know if you notice, when you get out in the country, you get to see tons of stars. And even the faint ones add to the beauty of like the whole scene. Whether they're brightest or what, every star has its, has its role in, in the universe, and so too with each of us. So the first thing to be aware of when you're trying to look at what you've got and how God might be calling you to use it, be wary of that comparison, which can say, well, I only have this many talents, so I'll just not use them at all. The second thing I think that holds us back from really using the talents that God has given us is fear. Fear of failure. What if I use my talent and I'm just not good? What if I try this and I lose? What if I make mistakes? Failure is part of life. We're going to fail. If you look at Jesus' life on a worldly level, big failure. He did not do a good job. He had 12 apostles, never convinced any of them really of who he was or what he was trying to do. They all abandoned him like in his most crucial moment of his life. But here he is. He seems like a failure. But in faith, we know that that's his victory. You know, that's his victory. So don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to not be perfect the first time you do something. But that can hold us back many times from using our gifts. The other fear, I think this is a big one, is what people think. You can be so afraid of what people think. What if I use my talent and it makes somebody else uncomfortable because they didn't know I was good at this. Or what if I use this talent and is somebody surprised? Or what if I use this talent and somebody laughs or somebody doesn't like it? And that many times can hold us and say, well, I'm just not going to use it. I'm not going to develop it. But God does not give us a spirit of fear. The Holy Spirit wants to give you a spirit of courage and self-control and generosity just to use what you've got. God knows exactly what he's given you, and he knows why. He just wants you to use it as best you can, to be thankful for it, and to glorify him as you go about it. So we got to be afraid of compare, uh, be careful about not comparing ourselves. we got to be careful about this fear, fear of failure, 
fear of what people think. And I think the other thing that can hold us back many times is a lack of faith. We don't believe that what we've got is what we need. God, has, We don't believe that what we've got can make any difference in the world around us. We think, oh, it's too small. I'm too weak. My talents are too minuscule for it to really matter. And that's never... You're never going to hear God whisper in your ear and say, Oh, gosh. You are just lousy. <laughs> you are just not... You just don't have it. You just don't have what it takes to make any difference. If you ever hear someone speaking in your ear like that, you say, get behind me, say, that's not God. God's going to encourage you. There's some reason that he's giving you what you've got and it matches the needs of the world around you. He's giving you joy because that's going to fill your heart, but also the world around you needs your joy. He's giving you humor. That's good for you and your own, but the world around you needs your humor. He's giving you kindness. Well, that's good for you and your family, but the world around you needs your kindness. So someone is believing in God's providence. He does have a plan for our life. He knows exactly you. He knows exactly the talents you have. He knows exactly the state of the world and the church today. And he knows exactly where you and your gifts and your talents fit best. And just have confidence with that. You wake up in the morning and you believe what you've got. And your mind, your heart, your body is exactly what you need to face the day. And with all that in mind, the amazing thing that happens at Mass is God takes all that He's got and unites it to all that you've got so that that can be brought into the world. <clears throat> all that He's got united to all that you've got creates peace. It creates joy. That's how the world changes. And as you go about you use your talents... Not only are you using your gifts and bringing your life into the world, but we have a chance to bring the life of God himself into the world. As we step out in courage and faith and use what we've got, we bring what Jesus has got as well. That's the amazing thing about being a Christian is his life and our life can be so intertwined that as we use our talents for the glory of God, we actually bring people into contact with Jesus. You might be the only Bible that anybody's ever read. You might be the only Mass that anybody has ever been to. You carry that in yourself. You're hearing these words. You're going to receive Jesus. But as this all becomes part of you, you're able to use what you've got, unite it to all that Jesus has got, and bring His blessings into the world. So let's open ourselves to this Mass to really deepen our belief our gratitude and the gifts that he's given, and just be open to how he might want to use us to build his kingdom on earth.